The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Reforming Business Podcast. Join Gary and Nathan as they reignite your passion for God and business. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is the Reforming Business Podcast, a weekly show in which we interview Christian leaders on issues of the marketplace, economics, agriculture, really driving around the issues of Christians in business ownership. We want to equip you to effectively reform the marketplace in the United States of America and around the world. This is Gary Morris. This is Nathan Brackenridge. And you are listening to another episode of Reforming Business Podcast. Nathan, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Gary. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, a lot's happened. This is our second week doing this podcast. We've got a uh, we've got a lot of great responses. I'm I'm looking forward to what God would do in all of this. Uh, what's your thoughts now that we're entering into episode number two? Uh, yeah, it's exciting. Um, just mainly because of the response yeah. um, to the website, the forum. Uh, just even before we even got it up and running, people were asking and posting questions like, when when are you going to do this? How are you on iTunes? Yeah. It uh, seems like the, there's a lot of interest out there for uh, podcasts like this. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's ironic. We put the website up and we didn't do any promotion day one, but I went to bed after putting the stuff up. Uh, there were some people that were asking, you know, about the iTunes feed and a few things like that. And, uh, we had several hundred people sign up for the business forum, which we're, we're in the works of, uh, getting some stuff together there. We really want it to be a, a, uh, tight knit family kind of thing where we can help and help one another in terms of like specific questions when it comes to business ownership. So we're hoping that that area becomes a unique area to be a blessing to people. So if you if you haven't checked that out yet, just go to reformingbiz.com. That's reformingbiz.com. And then you'll see a sign-up sheet right on the the header. Sign up, you know, begin to contribute if you want to any of the forums. Just know that we're getting a lot of the content together. But, yeah, like you, I'm really excited. Uh, I got an email from people, you know, t- we just got one right before we got on the show of uh, a good friend who said, uh, he was really blessed by it, and uh, it was something that he needed as well. And I'm just convinced that this is a subject that that I need. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. So I guess let's let's talk about big things in the news. The first thing that we had, uh, obviously, the big thing that's covering all the social media sites, all of the news channels, is uh, the terrorist attack and the issues that happened in Paris. Um, so our hearts and our prayers go out to the individuals and the families that have been affected by that tragedy. And, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's a tough, tough situation that Christ called us to mourn with those who mourn, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's a struggle too, because, uh, when you're just paying attention to Facebook feeds, uh, all you're getting is just tiny clippets of different media outlets and, and, and of what's going on. So it's hard to find out good information. Yeah. Um, that's reliable. Um, and I, we don't have cable in our house, so I just can't flip on Fox news or whatever and just watch it. Right. You know, and see it all unfold live or whatever. Um, so I've not been really close to that situation. Um, what's the latest update? 
well, the latest update, you know, they, and like, you know, like you said, it's, I, it's funny that you said that I was just thinking today how difficult it is to actually have trusted news. Like yeah. even, even if you think, well, if I can actually have pictures of what happened, but nowadays pictures are Photoshopped or they're, they're just pre-planned. Well, maybe if I had interviews of people there and I don't want to live in a, you know, the skeptical kind of bubble where I doubt everything, but I mean, it, you know, the reality is that the the media that we see nowadays is just so pre-planned. Everything's programmed. There's a narrative that everyone wants to write. Those stories are being written, and they, they use all these different sources to write those. They So much can be staged. And, and I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the tragedy itself, just the angles and the, the heart attitude that we have toward um, the – you know, the, the wider world and the bigger issues at hand, it's just, it's tough to know what to believe. So I struggled right. there too, man. I, I, I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, it, you know, I, I, I just, really struggle yeah. the aftermath of those situations too, because it seems like everybody, uh, gets on their, their particular bandwagon, um, you know, in an issue like this, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of a sudden all the, uh, anti-gun, you know, people, Right there, even from our president. I mean, it's just those are the those shots that they take. Yeah, you know, and and victims are all of a sudden not even in the story anymore. Right. You know, it's just yeah. yeah it's just even shameful. from you know the right wing, you know, conservatives that go straight to, um, you know, all the immigrants and issues right. of you know warmongering, and it's you know we all play in the narrative. It's just uh stories that are attempted to be written on the human heart. And as Christians, we, we have to be discerning and weighing through those issues, you know, and, you know, I, the first thing I did was, uh, I, I prayed, I was hurt. My wife and I just, you know, sat out on, on the front porch and we talked about some of these, the issues. And then, um, you just think about Christ and, and how he weighed through those, you know, he would mourn and weep. And then on some national tragedies, uh, when a tower falls, he, you know, he commands people to repent, Right. you know? Um, and, and so it's, there's, there's a complexity of national tragedies that only Christians have a unique ability to discern and, and speak into. And sp- part of that speaking into is actually not talking at all, you know? Yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, that that was tough. And, you know, in terms of business ownership, it's it's those kind of things weigh in on your people. You know, if if you're working on a Saturday and that thing unfolds or you think about the people that own the establishments, their lives are affected if they survived at all. You know, I mean, a lot of the business owners at some of the bars and locations, they're not there every day. So they have to now pick up the pieces and and our, oh, yeah. you know, it's or the people who lost loved ones, have, yeah. you know, yeah. having to go back to work and yeah, cope yeah, with that. yeah. And this is why business ownership is much wider than monetary value. It's it's an environment. It's a culture. It's discernment. Uh, you know, we pray that something like this never happens to us. But as Christians that are business owners, we need to be thinking through: Do we have anything to offer? 
in unique situations such as these? How do we how do we wade through the the human difficulties that come up from tragedies like these? We have to be thinking through that. We have to be prepared. It's it's much bigger than monetary issues. Right, and it's, it's particularly you know, like you said, we're Christian business owners because of that. We have the word of God. I mean, we can speak out against about issues that are not necessarily relating to business. Right. You know what I mean? Like the world would say, no, stick to what you do. Stick to your own little bubble. Right. And in tragedies like that, when you have the answers, it's time to speak up. Right. You know, and, and I, it really, and, and there's the whole mess of, like you said, conservative right-wing people who are blurring the lines, uh, jockeying for their own positions. Um, but there is a, a, a minority of Christians who have the right things to say, you know, and point mm-hmm. out the truth in these type of situations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we need to be doing that. We need to just, that's why I thank God for social media. Um, because it, it no longer allows the, the uh, normal means of media to control the story. Right. You know, and so you can jump on there with your blog or Facebook or whatever and just start sharing information that wouldn't be shared normally. Yep. Yep, it's it's helpful. So so our prayers are with uh our, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ and every human that's made in the image of God that's been affected. If you're listening and you're in Paris, uh our thoughts and prayers are with you. If you know people affected by this, um just we pray that the Lord would give you wisdom in those conversations. So uh yeah. let's let's talk a little bit about our show today. Today we have a uh, this is our first interview episode. We have uh, several more lined up. In fact, that'll be the regular format of the show. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the purpose of this show, that was our first episode. And we'll probably revisit some of those subjects in weeks to come. Oh, yeah. But really, today's show is our, our interview with Bojanar Marinoff. And if you don't know who Bojanar is, he's uh, he's written a lot. Uh, a lot of people may not know him personally, but... Uh, if you don't, you're going to find information in this podcast that will introduce you to a fascinating individual who is uh, a blessing to the church, blessing to me. I know he's been a blessing to you, so um, this has been an exciting episode. Do you have any thoughts about our interview with Bojanar before we dive in? Um, not at this moment, no. Okay. Um, maybe yeah. afterwards, there be a lot of good uh, things to talk about. Yeah. But I am excited about it. I'm glad that um, he uh, gave us the opportunity just to pick his brain and let him share. Yep. So with that, this is our interview with Bojanar Marinoff. Okay, welcome back to Reforming Podcast, a podcast for Christian business owners. Today we have a very special guest, one that we've really enjoyed his writings. He's he's written much, he has uh, spoken much, he's he said some very important things on issues that are important to Christians, and and uh, we'll have some of those lectures, um, other things in the podcast in the show notes. And our guest today is Bojanar Marinoff. How you doing, Bojanar? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. We're doing good. Doing good. 
Doing good. So, um, as you know, just coming on the show, some of the things that we talk about here are the importance of business for Christians. Seems like it's pretty self-explanatory. Seems like everyone should know that importance, but it doesn't seem like that's been the case in Christian circles, specifically in America, for quite some time. And we figured it'd be great to have you come on and address some of the issues that you've seen some of the issues that you're hearing, and how we can address this huge problem in American Christianity when it comes to vocational um, work ethics. So um, I guess the first thing our listeners will notice right off the bat is you come from uh, Houston, Texas, but your accent doesn't sound very Southern. Where are you from, Bo? Correct. I, I was born in Bulgaria, which is in Southeast Europe. And I was born under communism and lived my first 19 years of life, my life under communism. I, I've been a missionary to my native Bulgaria for quite a few years. And we still have a, um, a mission uh, organization that's still working there in terms of uh, we're publishing books. We're uh, mainly publishing books. We're working with churches. Homeschooling is a big part of our work in Bulgaria and also liber- the libertarian movement in Bulgaria. Uh, we would participate in that libertarian movement. Some of our people are involved in uh, pro-life uh, activities and so on. So quite a few, quite a few things that we're working there. But originally, I'm from Bulgaria, and I live in Houston now. Wow, great! And having been on both sides of the pond, what would you say? Just I guess as an observation, just as as we move right into some of the big issues concerning work ethics. What are some of the biggest differences that you see between American workers and business owners compared to Bulgaria or the rest of the world? Um, America is, in in this respect, and and I know from an American perspective, it will look like uh, America has hit the bottom, uh, which, yes, compared to what America was supposed to be according to the original purpose of the founders and, and, and the original colonists and the uh, and, and the pilgrims and the Puritans that came here, it is, it, it has defined a lot. But compared to the rest of the world, America is very unique in terms of it's probably the only country in the world where self-consciously the, uh, uh, the, 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 the faith of the people is applied to, to work ethics. Now, that hasn't been the case before, before, uh, before that we see the same principle uh, having been applied in the reformed nations like Switzerland and the Netherlands and Britain and Scotland. But in Europe, that has been lost uh, to a great extent. And what we see now is, is, is America is probably the only culture in the world where there is still this residual understanding that the faith of the people uh, is, is applied to work ethics and business as well. And, and you can actually see it even in those that claim that, that are not Christians and claim they do not derive their work ethics from, from the Bible. They still talk in terms of, of religious commitment to their work, uh, which is very interesting. Sometimes I'm just laughing when I hear atheists or non-Christians, non-Christian uh, employers talk about work ethic in purely Christian terms. Hmm. So you would say that some of those presuppositions still exist. We're living them out. We're just, there's a disconnect from actually when it comes to where we ascribe uh, that that foundation from is being lost. That's correct. 
That's correct. You you can you can clearly see. It. I tell you what, the first thing I was really shocked when I when I first came to the states was, uh, you know what really uh, shocked me? It was uh, uh, checks, personal checks. Hmm. I, I mean, that my, my first thought was, oh, oh wait, they, they got a piece of paper and they just write a number on it and everybody takes it as money, <laughs> right? And you guys look at it, take it for granted, but for the rest of the world, it's. Uh, it's something that well, 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 what do they do? Well, I got some ideas about this. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, yeah. and, and and even though people do, even though people do every now and then, they will write, you know, a, a, a check will bounce. Um, it is still it, the, the still the the morality, the the undergirding, the, the undergirding ethics behind all this is still there, so that people still accept it as a means of payment. I mean, you don't see that in the rest of the world. Wow, yeah. Well, Never thought of you. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Hey, Bojanarts Nathan here. Um, first of all, I just want to just say what an honor is to have you on and. I know there's been times where I'm late at night uh, online or reading a book and I'm wrestling with something and I, I jump on there and I, I, I message you and you always write me back and you've helped me out through a lot of few things so it's a real honor to have you on. Um, I did have a couple of questions for you. Um, why do you think robust thinking of work in American churches is so neglected? Um, just in general among Christian people or, or even from the pulpit. It's interesting because in America that comes from mainly from tradition and a tradition. It's it's what uh, R.J. Rushdie called uh, cultural memory that that America has this work ethic. And indeed, the churches are not supporting it anymore. They are not promoting it. They are not uh, preaching on it. And the reason is mainly because in the last one century, or maybe a little over one century. Uh, Christianity in America has turned from a comprehensive worldview from a religion that really touches all of life the way it was with the Puritans and with the original colonists and you will see a lot of Christian language in, 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 the, uh, in the American War of Independence as well and, and after that all the way until the, the end of the 19th century and after that it has turned into a sort of a mystery cult that is only concerned with things about your inner life in your uh, in your personal uh, in your personal morality uh, stuff, and especially about your personal psychology. How do you? How can you mm. feel better? How can you feel justified? Uh, and and some of these things are really given in the in the form of a really good Christian biblical Orthodox language. And the problem is that uh, most of life, like ninety five percent of life, is excluded from this kind of Christianity, which is actually only a mystery cult. And by default, because nature and society and ideology are poor vacuum, uh, what's happening is somebody else starts putting in, starts uh, filling in the void that, is, that was left by, by Christianity. Uh, and so the churches have retreated into, uh, into a very limited area of life, and this is your personal experience and morality and so on. And, and this is why they are not touching that area because that area is now dominated by secular thinkers. Right. And do you do you think also too that American Christians or today's Christians think that they have no place in the secular field? Uh, to to a great extent. Now, uh, yeah, they they define that field as secular. Now, the problem is it's not secular. It's always religious. 
field. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's nothing secular. The issue is not whether it's secular or religious. The issue is what religion uh, populates it, what, what religion occupies it. And, um, and they look at these fields and they say this is all secular. Economics is secular, business is secular, uh, corporations are secular, investments are secular, politics is secular. So they just leave that. Even when they speak about it, they pretty much leave it to, quote-unquote, the experts in the field. And the experts are usually the enemies of God who have adopted, who, who, who have some idea of what, what needs to be done there according to their own presuppositions. So uh, uh, really Christians are out of that field because their pastors have betrayed them, because their pastors and their seminary professors and their theologians told them that Christianity really doesn't, 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 uh, is not concerned with that field of life. Right. Yeah. I, whenever I run into that type of thinking, um, I just have to ask a couple questions uh, to get other people thinking, like such as, does God have anything to say about that? You know, whatever field it is. I mean, even something like, like math, if you say it's secular or, or, or just neutral, you're going to have to say that it originated by itself. And then right. you deny the creator. Right. You know, so, so just to move on a little bit here, I know Gary has some more questions for you. Um, does God care about our work ethic? And if he does, what, what does that change? What's, what's the name of the original covenant? When God created the world, and we have in the Westminster Confession of Faith, we have a name for that original covenant that was the overall frame for all creation. What, what, what's the name of that covenant? Remember? Covenant of works. Right. Say it again. Covenant of works. So, did, did you hear the, 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 the word work there? Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, when you go, when you go back to, to Genesis 1, we see that the creation of man was entirely given in, in not in religious terms, but in, but in, but in economic terms. Right. Uh, and uh, when you see God put man in the garden and uh, to, to do what? To, to organize religious meetings, evangelisms, and so on. What, what, did he, what did he tell him to do in the garden? Cultivate. Work. Cultivate it. So to cultivate. So it was work from the very beginning. Now, when we look at, when we go back to Genesis 1, uh, verses 26 to 27, when he says God created man in his own image, theologians are tripping over each other to, to define man in terms of some inner reality man has in himself, like some spark of divinity or, and so on. But if you look at the verses there, they define man uh, by uh, in, in, as an image in God according to his purpose, and his purpose is to take dominion over the earth. Uh, and when you continue further, you see that that dominion is defined in terms of work. It defines in, in terms of taking the earth outside uh, the garden. And even in the garden where you see all these uh, resources uh, and, and, and his job is to, to capitalize them. That means to take all these resources in the garden and out, outside the garden and make them uh, and, and, and make them usable for himself and for other people, uh, and especially for other people, of course, and that's the basis of capitalism. But, but then you continue, and there is an interesting development in the Bible. If you see, it starts with the big, in the beginning with, uh, with the garden, uh, and, and it, it specifically says the gold of that land. The gold of that land is good. That's the only specific thing 
in the in, in, in the only specific thing in the first three chapters of Genesis, besides the general creation uh, work uh, of God that is said to be good, and and then you see the gold and the the um, uh, precious stones that are just scattered in the garden. Where do we see them at the end of, of the Bible? At the very end, there's a city, and they're all embedded in that city. They're all used as right. construction materials for that city. Mm-hmm. So if you see the whole narrative in the Bible, it starts with a garden that all the resources are just scattered and not usable for men. They're good, but they're scattered, and they're not capitalized. And the Bible ends with these same resources built into a city people can live and everybody brings in their precious and the kings of the earth bring their precious things into that city Hmm. that's good that is good so so just thinking playing this out as a as a christian business owner who might be listening to this podcast the struggle that we often hear when we talk to um those that are either business owners they're in management or they're just employees is that you know they only feel that they've been effective at work if they've been able to smuggle a gospel track into the back pocket of a customer <laughs> or witness to their boss or their employees at the end of the day outside of that there's nothing distinctively christian about what they do um could you maybe oh. address that oh don't don't forget also paying paying their tithes to the church right right that's an important thing i mean you hear the pastors and most of the pastors in, in this country look at businesses as as a you know the purpose of a business is to support a church. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this this is part of that this is part of that limited mystery cult type Christianity that I, I've been talking about as if the only legitimate uh, the only legitimate work for the, for the kingdom of God is within the church. And outside the church, there's uh, nothing. I mean, everything outside the church is kind of a common thing, profane, secular, and it's just it, it's only legitimate if it supports the the activities in the church. Uh, but from a biblical perspective, it, it is the very uh, uh, it, the, the very idea of taking resources that are scattered and bringing them together into something that is capitalized, that is that is useful and usable for man, that that can that can uh, uh, make man uh, make man better off, is a religious obligation for man. And I, I suggest that I mean people. It's it's probably his language is a little bit. Uh, uh, I'm talking about Max Weber. He has a very interesting book that has been probably the beginning of modern sociology. And that book is called. The Protestant ethic and the spirit of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it is not a it is not a comprehensive book. I mean, he is very limited in his uh, assessment of it. And I will uh, I will recommend an article of mine where I kind of try to explain uh, to to expand on it. It was not an article; it was a um, a lecture that I delivered to the annual conference of the Russian Libertarian Party uh, several years ago. And it is the, uh, the the rhetoric at the foundation of capitalism and the ethics at the foundation of, of that rhetoric. That's the title of, of the article. Uh, and uh, this is a religious obligation for man to take resources that are scattered and to build them into something that is uh, useful for man. So when we look at these people, when we look at these 
entrepreneurs and look at all these uh, business owners and uh, professionals and even to the simplest worker in a company it's a religious obligation on them and this is a this is a calling that is just as good as any pastor's calling or any missionary's calling to to take the resources given to them and to build them into something that will benefit other people and benefit themselves as well and their families so it, it is it is just as much a religious obligation as that to go to church uh, on Sunday and, uh, and go through all the rituals in the church. Yeah, that's, wow, yeah, that's a, it's going to be a lot to chew on. I think, uh, you know, in many ways we're just entering into this conversation. This is kind of the just scratching at the surface when it comes to these issues. And one of the results or one of the issues that we see as a fruit of this is you have men that see that there's no other option in life if they're going to be effectual at all for the kingdom of God other than to leave their job. And it may be a good paying job. They may be uh, effective at it. But the only option to do anything that's of any worth is to step away from that job and enroll in the seminary okay. <laughs> and become pastors telling other people to do the same thing. Well, don't forget, don't forget, go, go deep in debt in order to pay, to, to pay for that seminary. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And typically those seminaries are disconnected from the local church. So there's, right. it's a manifold issue that we see that's unfolding before us. So, um, I guess part of what we're trying to do is bring our arms around brothers who are struggling right now. They're, they're confused. They, they feel like they're going to work every day. Maybe they're in IT. Maybe they're um, a mechanic. Um, you know, whatever the, the different things that they could be. And it seems like a mundane task, but life in general can seem pretty mundane. But just because it's mundane doesn't mean there's not much work to be done. If you, if you think a missionary work is, is is a glorious thing that you see new things happening every day, a missionary work is just as mundane <laughs> as anything else. Right. That's one thing that's been very romanticized. Is right. It's, it's we think it's all adventure, and and you know we get that American idea of the beyond and what's you know on the other side of the ocean. <clears throat> but like you said, it's it's not. It's work like any other place. I. I always suggest to people, I um, I mean, we talked before we started this, we talked about my article on the individual purpose and the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there is this concept of the individual purpose of man, which is lost to a lot of churches, I guess, because of, of the growing collectivism in the churches and any kind of mystery cult will grow collectivism in the church. And, 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 and that uh, individual purpose is usually lost. But if you go to, um, and, and give me just a second here. Sure. Uh, I, I just want to, uh, I just want to make sure I got the, the right biblical verse. <laughs> and uh, uh, when you go to Matthew eleven twelve, there is a very interesting, and that's that's what that article uh, that I wrote is based on there's a very interesting verse there uh, where jesus says from from the days of john the baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force um 
And of course, the very idea that we're expanding the kingdom by force is kind of foreign to most modern Christians, because we're taught that Christians should be docile and passive, and we, we just need to wait and all that stuff. Uh, but but, uh, but uh, uh, stay with me. I'm not saying we need to, to pick up our swords and go out and kill people for that. Uh, and this is not <laughs> right. this is he's talking about. What, what he's talking about here is that there is a there is a certain activity that actually expands the kingdom, expands the kingdom in a way that that uh, encroaches upon the, the domain of Satan. Uh, now, obviously, it is not by forcing people to believe. It's got to be something else, and I believe that the something else that is uh, that is in, in the Bible is is uh, is given in um, uh, the, the 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 clue of what it may may be is given in Romans eight, and in Romans eight, where Paul says that the creation is eagerly awaiting for our for for uh, our for us being revealed as the sons of God. Now think about this: you have the creation. You have the creation sitting there, and that creation is 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 uh, subject to infirmity. It's subject to to, to rottenness, uh, to to and not only to rottenness, but the, the world there is to aimlessness. Hmm. And, uh, and and that creation is subject to it's 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 exactly what the uh, what the beginning we see the beginning in the beginning in the garden. Uh, all these resources are sitting there, not doing anything, and the creation. This is the creation groaning, waiting for us to be revealed as the sons of God. And this is that creation that is expecting us with our violent spirit to go out there and basically start turning the creation into uh, something that is redeemed, something that is holy, something that is capitalized, that can serve uh, uh, that can serve God and serve other men and serve us and our families. And this is what I believe the Bible is talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about. I think because he he basically talks about the the restoration of man back to the original mandate that man was given. Because that original mandate was taken away from man because of man's sin. When 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 Adam fell, uh, the 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 dominion over the earth passed passed uh, passed on to Satan. Satan was was now at least uh, you know legally not 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 in the reality, but at least legally Satan had the title. And now with Jesus on the cross, Satan was defeated. Hmm. And, with, and with Satan defeated, Jesus being the second Adam, we have we are restored into the original covenant of what? Works. What was Works. Yeah. And, and now this doesn't mean that grace, the original covenant of works, does not destroy the covenant of grace, as some people wrongly believe. They are not opposed to each other. The covenant of grace can only be understood within the original framework of the covenant of, of work. Hmm. And we're back to that original covenant, and we're back to this, to, to, uh, to uh, uh, subduing the earth, to taking dominion over the earth for God's glory. Yeah, and what I, what I love about, you know, specifically when I'm reading the individual purpose in the kingdom of God article and when we're talking to men who are trying to uh, be um, very ethical in their work ethic and, and what they do on, on their uh, nine to five job is to 
is to pursue things that are very large and sometimes that can be overwhelming. But you have a way, there's there's a specific spot in this article where you break it down to a very foundational level on what, let's say, for instance, a business owner who's listening to this show today and they're exasperated. They're not seeing the glory that can be won by pursuing the kingdom of God through through the work ethic. Uh, a foundation you say you say here you say and what is the mission economic productivity the very principle must set the goal for our children's education our children must be self-conscientiously aggressively uncompromisingly taught to find their specific personal individual corner of the marketplace where they will be economically productive and where their gain will be good and then you you the next paragraph says this must be the the constant present topic of our family devotions i think that's so critical to understand that to move forward in grasping the 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 blessings of work it really starts on the foundational level um at your dinner table correct yeah correct yeah and, and that's that's why uh, and that's why I, I think uh, homeschooling, to to a certain extent, has gone in, in many quarters in the United States has gone a little bit um, um, away from <clears throat> from the real course because we have children taught more to to um, build ethical uh, barriers around themselves than really look at the world as as a place to conquer. Now. I'm not saying that children should not be taught the ethical principles of the Bible. The problem is we're not defining ourselves in a moralistic way. It's just we're not doing this, we're not doing that. We define ourselves in terms of in terms of our purpose and, and goal, and that purpose is subduing the earth to the glory of God. And the economic economic dominion over the earth is, is the original and most important dominion. That's right, yeah, and I think people are afraid. Even Christians are afraid to use language like, like conquer or or take over um, when you talk about something as big as the world. Um, and, and that's what I do. And, and obviously, I explain to my children or even other people who have no idea what this is all about that that it's it's way bigger than their own ticket to heaven. They they have a responsibility and. And as you've been talking, I, I've heard you say over and over a few times about um, the earth and, and our our work of bringing out its treasure. It reminds me of this quote I want to read from Herman Bavink. I think that's how it's pronounced. And his book called The Christian Family, he writes this. The man is called to subjugate under his feet the whole earth in obedience to God's will. He must develop the earth in terms of its goals through knowledge and art, through farming and hu- animal husbandry through industry and trade. He must bring forth from the earth all the riches of thought and power, of fruitfulness and life, which God has hidden within the earth according to his inscrutable goodness. And that just, right there, that just wraps it up for me right there. When I look at my work and, and, and I start to struggle and think it's mundane, or maybe I should do something that's more quote-unquote spiritual, I think about that, and, you know, and I said, this is God's. This whole earth is God's. And if I'm his child... Everything I lay my hand to has purpose. This is this is just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
and if you and if you look and if you look at at, at all the godless governments in history in the history of man, uh, all the godless uh, social orders and all the godless governments, the, the the first thing, the main thing they want to attack is the ability of the individual man to <clears throat> to apply his uh, economic skills in practice. And we're talking today about socialism and all that stuff. But what's the what's the agenda of socialism? The agenda of socialism is to to not to allow you to subdue the earth, but to subdue you to the government as your god. So that the, and, and the government, the first thing the government wants to do is take away from you your ability to freely exercise your uh, economic skills, uh, your your uh, your production skills. Uh, I mean, you look look at the world around us, and what's the main what's the main thing socialism wants to do? It's it's to to uh, to tax you. Mm-hmm. It's to burden you under all kinds of regulations and, and license requirements. And you look at um, our immigration policy today. It's how do we stop men from from fighting job, finding a you know a well-paying job and, and so on. And in, in our society today, our our um, uh, heroes in our society today are here are those that really do not produce anything. Politicians and, uh, and actors. Um, and look at our celebrities. All our celebrities are people who, and, and in the past, uh, just about a hundred or one hundred fifty years ago, the celebrities of America were people who were able to produce and innovate. Uh, we, we look at people like Thomas Edison. We look at people, even even uh, you know all these great. Uh, Businessman that created modern industrialized America; those were the celebrities of America, not not Hollywood actors or not even not even politicians. But today, we we almost don't know anything about people that innovate. We do have a few that are that are in the limelight because they're politically involved, but we don't have all of them. People don't even know about them. That's good. Well, thanks. Um, I guess we we just have two more questions. There's a there's a lot to chew on. I encourage people to listen to this um, as as many times as as possible. Go over it. Um, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us and address this. What we feel is a very important subject to encourage Christians to continue to pursue the glory of God and their work ethic. Um, I get the two final questions. One would be, what books would you suggest? Christian business owners to read in order to get more information about this and uh, where can people find more information about you um, the books that uh, the books that people well we will need probably about half hour for me to, <laughs> to give you all the books but what I think what I think needs to be done is people um, first of all I, I will suggest a very a book that is rather obscure for for a lot of people, a lot of Christians, and um, and that is R.J. Rushdoon's Revolt Against Maturity. Hmm. Now you you may say, okay, this this is this is kind of an ideological, philosophical, theological book, but it is very important for people to read it to get the to get the idea behind the, the biblical psychology of, the, of, of work. Great, great. Okay, it, it is a book that needs to be read, and also I would suggest Gary North's books on, uh, especially.
especially his economic commentary on the Bible. It, it is it is very big. It is like thirty five volumes, uh, and uh, but but you know just like just like uh, the question, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> Seriously, I, I I think you might be with that commentary side. <laughs> right, right. So. What I think people need to do is need to start reading uh, in, in one piece at a time and, and get educated about the biblical view of economics. It's, it's, a, it's a huge economic uh, commentary of the Bible, but it gives you a very specific, very specific ideas, sometimes more theoretical, sometimes more practical about uh, what the Bible teaches about economics and business. Great. Um, uh, another another thing is I, I'd suggest that they sign up for Gary North's uh, newsletters, GaryNorth.com, and some of his newsletters have been a very good source of, uh, of business wisdom and economic yeah. wisdom for, yeah. for a lot of us. Definitely. Yeah, t- definitely agree. Yep. And, um, and then uh, in terms of where people can find about me, BulgarianReformation.com, is, is the website of our mission in Bulgaria, and I every now and then I'll put articles in uh, in my blog, which is ChristendomRestored.com. Great. Okay. And we'll have both of those links in the show notes. And uh, Bojanar, we can't thank you enough for taking time out and addressing these issues with us. Yeah, can we have you on again sometime? All right. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was Bojanar. It was a great interview. Appreciated his insight. We hope that that's been a blessing to you. Nathan, do you have any comments on, uh, I guess, overall what you thought, some of the things that Bojanar brought up, uh, some great stuff? Yeah, I, I did. I, I just think it's uh, – I just love that he can bring a totally different point of view or something that's not even discussed today. I mean, the things that he brings up, sometimes you get online and – Nobody's talking about him, you know, um, such as when he was talking about uh, or his answer, response or question about the neglect of focusing on work in the church and how when work is neglected or the discussion or the topic. And really, this could I think this could talk uh, or expand to almost any area that when the church neglects a certain subject and in particular, we're talking about work now then someone will come along and fill that void. That if that if the pulpit, yeah. if pastors, if, if, if the church is not addressing an area of life, and, and such as work, which is part of a major part of life. I mean, we all go to work. Yeah. Um, then someone else is going to come in and fill that void. And, and what has happened, um, how the church has just retreated um, from these, these areas, these talks, to just this little limited area of life that's only concerned about what they consider to be the spiritual part of life or, or personal experience and morality. And it just, it just leaves wide open spaces for, for the world to come in and take over. Yeah. And that's our job. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it's, it's not only our job, it, it's, it's the calling of discipling the nations, right. you know, and we've reduced discipling the nations 
to be getting the nations to be only properly catechized and then attending church. Yeah. And and again, I mean, this is the whole motivation for a podcast like this. We've created naturally a sinful, sacred, and secular divide that isn't created simply by the congregants, but by the pastors. And therefore, there's a refusal to see the impact of the gospel in the workplace, in the marketplace, in the office. And so where I think like for me, Bojanar just, you know, where, where the interview like this really helps is just in terms of the business owner who's, He's going to work tomorrow, and there's a disconnect from discipleship and the people that he employs. And yeah. and we talked about this in episode number one, but really creating a culture where God-given gifts can thrive, where you can identify the gifts of your individuals and see that you can actually draw those gifts out. Like you just said, you know, when we um, when we when we refuse to do that a company like Google or a company like Facebook who doesn't necessarily have any foundations in scripture or uses that as their baseline, they'll attempt to draw those gifts out of the individual and they'll do a better job than what we're doing. Right. So it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I appreciate. Um, just, I mean, they're still in the early stages, but, um, Apologia radio, they come out with Apologia studios and they're just, they're just attacking the media. Yeah. And they're trying to bring good um, Christian media, radio, you know, yeah. into the culture with the gospel. Yep. Yep. Quality is. And so that. Yeah. 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 Quality is critical there, knowing that um, that was really the Puritan work ethic that is missing in today's modern evangelical uh, churchgoer. It's to be thriving for excellence. And uh, having a, you know, a, a hope for future effects that your job will make in generations to come, seeing your family's role in those things. I mean, there, there's just so much that we miss. And it, yes, this, this podcast is directed toward business owners. So um, if you're an employee and uh, we've, we've heard from you already and we know that you're out there, we know that you're listening, the same rules apply to you just on a different scale, you know. Right. So you can affect your work environment in ways that are very discipleship oriented, but a lot of that starts with self-discipline, you know, gospel-centered, of course, but self-discipline and looking at the things that God has entrusted into your care and doing those things extremely well for the glory of God and for the good of your neighbor. Right. Have you, um, I don't know if you've seen this the other day, uh, I was just on Facebook and a video of John Piper came across my feed and he was talking, um, it was like an intro to a series or something, but he was focusing on the second part of the, the, um, great commission to go out and, you know, baptize. And, and then it says that to teach the nations to observe all that he has taught them hmm. And, and he, what he was picking up on is that we think that discipling a nation is just teaching them doctrine, but it actually says to teach them to observe his doctrine. Right. To actually do what he has commanded, not just know it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good observation and it's a huge um, disconnect. Yeah. In discipleship today. 
that we're supposed to not just to know it, but actually apply it to our business, yeah. our work life, our discipleship, our family, everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and what happens is if, if we don't do it and just going back to your last point, if we don't do it, um, basically it'll fall into higher education categories yeah. and the universities will be the ones to get all the capital and they'll get all the training. They'll take all the money and that's the only place that will happen. And so for some Christian families, it's unachievable because they, they don't see it happening on a local level. Nobody's pouring in to the community, especially the Christian community. They're creating Christian ghettos where we just see the world getting worse and worse. And so that's what we teach the nations. We teach the nations how to make the world a ghetto. Right. You know, and <laughs> and that's counter counter Christianity. And it's uh, something yeah, we it hope. Wasn't always like this. What's that? It wasn't always like this. Right. I mean, we know from just our studies and, and de- hearing different things about history that it was the church that was building hospitals and orphanages and then the front lines of scientific discoveries and, mm-hmm. and you know, and just the gospel going across the world. Yeah. Um, we have retreated um, in a major, major way. Yeah, and we hope that ends, and and we hope with yeah, that's the goal. Uh, yep, that's that's the goal here. So, the ball goes into the courts of those of you who are listening to this show. If you're a Christian business owner, or even if you're an employee, I, our our hope is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, and see business as a tool of 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 discipleship. To see yeah. the culture of your work environment as something that you do have some control over and don't just wait for things to naturally through osmosis work into a biblical framework. It takes effort and it takes work and it takes the good of those people that God has brought into your care to, to begin to make efforts to change your culture. So we, uh, we're thankful. We, we hope you enjoyed this podcast and, uh, Nathan, do you have anything else to say? I I hope to uh, see you all next time. Uh, no, Okay. It's great. Yeah, great. Enjoyed uh enjoyed listening to Bo and like you like Gary's saying, uh guys just stay tuned. We have a lot of good uh interviews. Um yep. great thinkers and guys who are you know, top of their game. <laughs> yep. Yep. So this is Reforming Business Podcast. This is episode number two and we look forward to hearing from you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Reconstructionist Radio and the Reforming Business Podcast with Gary and Nathan. May you glorify God in all of your business dealings. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce 
including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.